Seinfeld, Summer of George, and Season 8 is over and has been for quite some time, but we're just getting started here on the Seinfeld Post Show Recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here we are, two half-men. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Akiva Winokur. Keeve, how are you? Uh, how's it going, Rob? Can you believe it, Keeve? We're heading into the Summer of Keeve. Um, yeah, I mean, is it the summer of Kiev? Right now, we're just in the spring. We're in the spring of Rob. I guess the summer of Kiev is coming in two months. <laughs> the summer of Kiev is going to be uh, when we go out there for uh, the back 22, uh, where we try to uh, finish out all of the Seinfeld rewatch this summer. Yeah, no, the it, it, culminating the live finale in Australia. That'll be the summer of, uh, I guess. But although the problem, we got a problem, though. What's the problem? If we finish... It's it's not summer in Australia, then it's winter. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll have to figure out that and work out all the logistics. But here we are, Keeve, for the season eight finale of Seinfeld, The Summer of George, originally aired May 15th, 1997. Yeah. Um, this episode, I feel like, was such a... Like, do you remember where you watched this episode? Yes. Uh, yes, I do. Because I, I believe, and, and again, I'm going to have to look this up, but I believe that uh, this is also the same night. It might have been a big Friends cliffhanger also, I feel like, that this was sort of like that they had gone to like the guest house. And I and I feel like that, was it uh, Ben Stiller's wife? Is she Was she also involved uh, with this, where there was like a chance where Ross could have gone to Rachel's bed room or a different bedroom uh and that was like a big uh friends cliffhanger i think it's it's called the one at the beach yes yes is that the same night is that the, is that the one you're talking about who's who's Stiller's wife christine taylor yeah yeah uh let's see when we've when, seen her on seinfeld also okay so from may 15th right, 1997 wow oh my god what a night on yeah, nbc no, that is a pretty good memory 20 years later i i think almost, i was more uh, so i was more invested that night in the oh my god what's ross gonna do uh friends would do like a bigger cliffhanger like that that would leave you talking where the seinfeld story was more self-contained i don't think i really thought that george was gonna be paralyzed in season nine Right. So so Christine Taylor jumped from the Van Buren Boys episode <laughs> to Friends, like in the same universe or a different universe? It was a big year for her. And I'm trying to think, I'm not 100% sure that it was her as the guest star. Was that, is that right? Might have been some, I might uh, have, have her in there. Oh, no, no, it was her. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. a crazy memory that you remember like the Friends episode afterwards, actually. I think it was I'm probably impressed. the Friends episode before. Before, you're right. But was it an hour? Did it lead straight into Seinfeld? Mm. Or did you have to sit through, like, uh, you know, Everybody Loves Susan or something? I'm not sure Suddenly where Susan. we could get the... Uh, we have to probably look it up on Netflix to find out, to get the uh, runtime on this one. But, yeah, what, what a big night on NBC. And a big night for Rob, sitting home by himself watching Seinfeld. No, no, I was in college. Akiva. Oh, you're in college. Oh, okay. You're yes. a freshman in college. Freshman in finishing invited to the dance. Year. No, what dance? I mean... I don't know. I don't know. I, I I never went to like a real. I mean, I went to a college, but like there was no girls, so I I don't know what goes on there. Yeah. Well, we were. I think there's a lot of people. I think there were probably more uh, women from the dorm around for the Friends finale. That might have been. Oh, that was a good strategy, actually. Yeah, yeah. definitely the Friends. You could. Uh, you could definitely get more girls, girls in your dorm to come and watch Friends than you could to get. You know, it, it was like a really cool girl who would come over and would. Oh, I have to see Seinfeld at nine o'clock. That was mostly a guy's show. 
Right. You'd At have least to marry in my that. dorm. I know we have a lot of female listeners to the podcast, but back in that, I didn't know that many women in 1997 that were big Seinfeld. Nuts. I think I would have married them if I would have met one. Right. Does your wife like Seinfeld at all? Mm, not really. No, she like she won't watch it if it's on, or or she's just indifferent. She would be annoyed if it was like you know we're flipping through the channel, like literally nothing is on, and like be a Seinfeld rerun is on, like whatever like the local channel is, and that would like you know be like oh we're watching this, <laughs> you know. She'd rather just like continue to flip through the channel listings and land on this. But uh, Kiva, again, it's the summer of George, a uh, big episode to talk about here today. Yeah, I did just like I know you're saying that the, the Friends episode that preceded it felt like a big deal because of the cliffhanger. But I remember watching it, you know, at this point, it was clear the show was coming back for season nine already, I believe. But the you know, it, it just felt like, a, you know, a real like Titanic episode when it was on. Yeah. Again, uh, really a callback to many of the things, especially like in the last five minutes or so from the season seven finale, which was much more of the big uh cultural touch point for the show than summer of george where uh the friends episode i think probably had more people buzzing moving out of this night true but considering it's almost parodying a classic but not necessarily you know top 10 type seinfeld episode from the season seven finale like to me i think the the way they did it's funnier than than the you know the, these invitations finale. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but I think that this was the writers in the show an attempt to sort of you know write whatever perceived wrongs there was to give some karma to George Costanza following all this, and really it was a season of karma for George Costanza following the death of Susan. Right, ironically, not a season of karma for Kramer. Just George. Yes. Yes. All right. Keith, before we get into talking summer of George, uh, that I think we have an interesting update from last week's show where we were talking about the controversy of what was going on with Mr. Lippman and Elaine over what is being referred to everywhere as uh, exclamation point gate. Yes. Yeah. The media's picked up on it. Everyone wants to know. Why does Mr. Lippman hate exclamation points in the sniffing counting and then love exclamation points in the muffin tops? And we have our answer. Yes. For the first time ever, we have an answer to something. No, I sometimes when we ask the actresses like the one off Jerry or George girlfriends, they'll answer. Yes. But they, I mean, they don't know. Like it, it, they usually don't know it. It's like, wow, that's a dorky question. Let me like mute this person. But I don't look at that as canon but, when the actresses like that were just there for a day. If it was one of the core four, maybe, because they were on set. But nobody's really telling them right. the answer to anything, these guest stars. I, I, I agree. So I asked Spike Ferriston, the writer of last week's episode, why Lippman loves exclamation points, then suddenly hated them last week. And he said it was a gaffe. Gaffe. Yep. A mistake. A mistake. Okay. Do you think that they even knew anything about, like, did was the, can, maybe could he clarify, was the gaffe that they got it backwards or was the gaffe that they didn't even realize that they had ever done anything about exclamation points? I think the latter probably. Mm-hmm. But I mean, either one makes sense. I would believe either one. Again, Ferriston was not there um, during the sniffing count. Okay. So he's, you know, he's not going to, you know, so either... He misremembered or he never knew. And it's just a wacky coincidence that I mean, this is a crazy coincidence. Just the like, how often do you discuss exclamation points that this one relatively minor guest star, star comes up with in a big way twice? But I guess, you know, that would lead you to believe more that it's a mix up and not a coincidence. OK, good. Keeve, you're hot. You're the Adam Schefter of Seinfeld right now. I'm going to task mm. you with another big question before the end of this podcast today. I'm excited. I'm excited. For that. <laughs> See if we can get some more. Hopefully answers. I'm not. <laughs> 
Hopefully I'm not the Adam Schefter today who's like just, in, you know, investigating a suicide all day and like <laughs> trying to be super, <laughs> trying to be like super, uh, you know, like calm about it. But it comes off as weird when these NFL guys, you know, trying to become like human beings for a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll, n- nothing more on Aaron Hernandez here today. We will tr- not try to bum out too many of our uh, many Patriot listeners today. Uh, yes. No, we will not. Uh, we, yeah. This will be an Aaron Hernandez free podcast. I would even say season nine. Of the, uh, uh, of the Seinfeld but, podcast, but of all the days, of all the days, uh, I mean uh, that if you went back in a time machine and you were a Patriots fan, and it's like okay, on the same day, Aaron Hernandez found dead, hanged in his cell, and Rob Gronkowski interrupting a presidential <laughs> press conference, same day. <laughs> Same day, Donald Trump's Donald Trump's press secretary. Yeah, they these two tight yeah. ends on the same team, and they're gonna and this is the, they're gonna go on these two paths. Uh, it's it's a rather insane point uh, for that. All right, Keith, let, let's get back to what we know about. So let's or claim to know about. So let's talk about uh, Seinfeld, uh, Summer of George, and uh, who's written this episode? Uh, this episode was written by the great team of Alec Berg. And Jeff Schaefer. Berg and Schaefer. Yeah, I watched them on the inside look. And uh, Berg was the one that he had. He took a date to what, like the People's Choice Awards. And she had. No, I think it was the Oscars. Oh, the Oscars. And she had a date. Yeah, he wrote some jokes for the Oscars. Yeah. She had like a a dude. that. And he says he won't say um, who it was because he doesn't want to call her out. But your intrepid reporter, I'm already, you know, Adam Sheftering it up, (laughs) uh, you know, did a little research and uh, figured out who it was. Who was it? It was um, it was Dylan Taze, the uh, the hot girl who gets Jerry out of everything, like parking tickets in the calzone, but then ends up with Todd Gack. Okay, yes. So he and showed she, up at her house. She and, has a dude. Uh, she had a dude. Uh, and I, I, oddly, because I'm like a little OCD about these things, I did a deep dive into like where is she now because she doesn't have much going on in her IMDb, and she doesn't even his name, so it's not super hard to find her, or it shouldn't be. Nothing. Okay. All right. Came up empty. Nothing. All if you're right, out so there, Dylan, listen she, to the podcast, right? She in. didn't play her cards right. Or maybe she did. She just changed her name and now she's like a billionaire. <laughs> That's possible. All right. So we start with uh, Jerry and George and they're sort of talking about what's gone on coming out of the last episode, setting everything up. And George says he can't believe the Yankees fired him. Now, Keeve, going back to last week's episode, that's not what happened. Yeah. So I think the reason why he's saying it is basically he gets traded. He comes back to the Yankees and, and says, like, they don't want me or they don't know what to do with me. Or I'm not working for this chicken factory. They do a little research. They realize that he was never, you know, that he was pulling it over on them. They find out what happened the last couple episodes. They also realize that he, you know, did ruin the, the, the championship trophy. And then they fire him. Well, that's a lot of stuff to happen off screen. I feel like that that is a huge leap to make. It's not a leap because he says they got fired and we know he didn't get fired. So something they're, they're bringing up for a reason that he like he's saying like, you know, because otherwise, why isn't he working for Tyler Chicken this episode? Does he have a no trade clause in his contract? In I don't think so. He's the assistant of the traveling secretary. They don't get no trade clauses. Huh. Does he have 10 years uh, in the league and five years with the Yankees? I don't I don't believe he does. He doesn't hmm. have either. So really, I mean, so if he says I'm not going to go work at Tyler Chicken, then I guess did he get fired from Tyler Chicken? Right. 
I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. He say the Yankees fired him though. Well, maybe because okay. So maybe here's what happened. I, I this is more plausible. So he's not going to Tyler Chicken. He calls up Tyler Chicken. Says I'm not. Go- I'm not moving there. And then now the deal is off. And now Steinbrenner is pissed. He doesn't get all those chicken dogs, alcoholic mm. chicken, chicken fries. That, that's all. That, that was a, a huge win for the Yankees. And he's so mad. And he says, you know what, Costanza, you're fired. You're out of here. That's very possible. You know, I, I think that that's, you know, that's definitely an option. The, the, uh, you know, he backs through the trade and then now there's no chicken beer or chicken, alcoholic chicken or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think that's more of the Occam's razor of uh, the uh, simplest way to get to this point where he gets fired. Uh, he will get a severance package. Yeah, he gets three months severance. By the way, similarly to um, the writers last week forgetting about the exclamation point, they may have just misspoke. And instead of saying I got traded or whatever, it's just easier to say I got fired. But you don't get a severance package from getting traded. That's a good point. That is a good point. So, so I, I think they had this yeah, idea yeah, of maybe George has a severance package, but they didn't have a way to get there from he got traded. Right. And and I don't know if we need to like if they needed to rehash. I mean, we could rehash everything. That's our job. But I don't think they needed to like spend 10 minutes at the beginning of this episode rehashing last week and giving Previously a good explanation. On, right. Right. Exactly. OK. So Not then we are get into this uh, severance package. It's going to be the summer of George that he is going to uh, taste uh, the fruit and let the juice run down all over his shirt. Three months is pretty good for someone who's much bare, like you know, he did with the strawberries with the Babe Ruth uniform. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully they won't get all over, <laughs> which indirectly led to him getting fired. Well, not even. I mean, like it, it along the same path. But I, I, you know, yeah. Uh, he's going to read a book. He might even play frisbee golf. Uh, Keith, have you ever frolfed? I, you know, I didn't. I, like, I was surprised that frolf even existed. Yeah. In '97, like I, I would think that's like a stupid like new thing. I I don't know how popular frolf is. The pioneers were doing it. The pioneers of frolf. This like was the, the main frolf videos. Frolfing. The main frolf videos that come up when you Google it are about Seinfeld. Okay, so maybe now I now I think it's probably because it's more commonly referred to now as disc golf, disc golf, which is a much worse name. Like mm. frolf should be the name. Yeah. Okay. Hard to spell. I've never played. Have you ever played? I could see no. like Sunny Oswego having like a D one frolf team. No, I don't know if I ever uh, was out there. I feel like that uh, Mike Holloway. I think uh, had like in his bio that he's into frisbee golf. By the way, that's a good. If you go on Survivor, if you're allowed to bring a frisbee, that's not like a bad. Not sport bad. To play. Not bad. Uh, you could use it as a dish, also. Mm, that's true. You can eat <laughs> out of it. Okay, so we have Jerry and George. They're at this weird sort of outdoor cafe, and uh, they're drinking lattes and cappuccinos. Is this out of character for Jerry and George? Well, just the fact they're not in monks having coffee is a little bit out of character. Yeah. But I think they're trying to show you that it's like summer. We're outside. Okay. And so we have a waitress here played by Amanda Pete. Uh, This is really uh, Amanda Pete's sort of uh, uh, rookie moment, would you say? Yeah, you think this is her like uh, breakout player of the year performance? So I'm looking at her IMDb. She was on a show called CPW, uh, which mm. I never heard about. She was on that for, I guess, uh, for two years, CPW. Uh, then she, it's a Darren Star show. So I guess that that has a little bit of cachet in 95 and 96. Uh, she does Seinfeld here. And then uh, what's her big break? What's her? I think her big break was, I, I'm pretty sure her big break was the whole nine yards. I think nobody knew who she was. Then she's the lead in the whole nine yards. 
the whole nine yards. Yeah, she's yeah. also in that. She was in like everything around like 2000. Uh, she's in this movie, Whipped. She's in Saving Silverman yeah. and like Whipped and Saving Silverman, I feel like are like very similar movies. She's been in a lot of TV shows that don't go well. Actually, the show she's in now, I only saw the first episode of, but I really liked it. Brockmire, not a good name for a show. Yeah. But uh, you I know what it is? With Breckenmire. Who I yeah, think is yeah, in there's both a lot Saving of... <laughs> Silverman and Whipped. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, there's a show, there's another show, Brock something also, that, um, that is it's confusing. Brockmire is just the name of Hank Azaria from The Simpsons. He's a disgraced MLB announcer. And he goes back yes. to like the really minor leagues and she's the owner. Uh, and the first episode was very funny. So yeah, uh, I would, I recommend it. But Amanda Pete, um, of all of Jerry's girlfriends, you could say a lot of our, our listeners would probably... You know, if they could, uh, if they could have one pass, they would probably prefer her over any of Jerry's girlfriends. Yeah, I mean, this is you know why that is. Well, well uh, why? But besides the aesthetic, why? No, no, she's got Game of Thrones spoilers. Her husband is Mr. Game of Thrones. Who's Mr. Game of Thrones? Her husband's Benioff, uh, the the creator and oh. writer of all the games. Yeah, okay. I think you're gonna say her husband George the, she, R. R. Martin. <laughs> no, that would be. By the way, that would be such a good poll for George R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's got the TV spoilers. There are no book spoilers because there is no more. There are no more books. He, just, he tends to write all day and she yeah. goes up like complains. Well, listen, he's got two football teams to watch other games, and then he's got has to go to all these conferences. Yeah, and talk about like people bothering about reading. But you yeah, know, but I believe she said in interviews that she doesn't let him, uh, you know, spoil anything. But in theory, you could, you know, shake it out sure. probably. Sure. Um, Amanda Peet's then uh, career, I think that probably, I think that she thought the big break was going to be uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Her and Matthew Perry, I think that there was a lot of expectations that that was going to be, uh, you know, that that was going to be a juggernaut. Uh, yeah, well, that started the same time as 30 Rock, right? And they lost them 30 Rock 1. Yeah. And so ultimately, uh, they, after 2006, uh, it's kind of not a lot going on. And then she does uh, some t- some TV stuff. Uh, Good Wife yeah, down the road. She was on uh, Togetherness. That was Togetherness. an HBO show that made yeah. it two years. So, okay. yeah, maybe not the career that uh, like she didn't have the upside that uh, you thought maybe she could have had at one point. Around 2000, you thought maybe uh, watch this Amanda Pete at the height of her powers. I mean, she had an OK. She had an OK career. Um, but, uh, you know, I would buy Amanda Pete stock. I feel like she's on the up and up. You've come, she's coming back now. Yeah. I think she's had, she's having a comeback. I think this Brockmire show is good. I feel like, uh, you know, she's got, yeah, I think, uh, as like there, there, there's like, there's not a dearth of like 40 year old women, you know, cause there's so many who don't work, but I feel like she's got like the look where she could sort of play it. I th- I'm buying, I'm buying that selling Amanda Pete stock. Okay. So you're in, you're in on it. Uh, I'm doing a quick search for uh, Amanda Pete Breckenmeyer to see if they've ever been in anything together, but uh, it does not appear so. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're, uh, you know, Breckenmeyer's working so much. I'm sure by accident they'll work together at some point. <laughs> yeah, where's Breckenmeyer? What's he doing? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's probably devastated that he's not in Brockmeyer. <laughs> Back in 2000, you could have saw that these two are about to take over Hollywood. Amanda Pete and Breckenmeyer. Uh, Breckenmeyer is he's, he's in a show called Supermansion. That seems he does a lot of. That's not work. a show. Oh, you know what? In Franklin and Bash, he was Franklin. Clearly, you're not a Franklin and Bash guy. Oh no. So I mean, he's got all that. He's got all that Franklin and Bash money to throw around. He doesn't need to. Yeah, work. him and Zach Morris back together. That's right. I have to ask if Scott St. Pierre is a uh, Franklin and Bash fan. 
Mm. I know he likes suits. I'm not sure if that's uh, if he. Are, would... Yeah, is he like is he all USA, Scott? Are you, let us know if you're like Team USA or not. Yeah, but only when it comes to uh, procedural uh, legal shows. Oh, not not the actual country. Yes, yes. no. Then he's canon all the way. Yes. Okay. So Jerry sees uh, this waitress uh, played by Amanda Pete. Her name is Lynette. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to ask this waitress. I mean, what sort of smorgasbord of just dating does Jerry live in? Which is, so he walks anywhere and is like, oh, okay, yeah, she's attractive. I think I'm going to go uh, take her out tomorrow. I mean, he is a little bit of like a man whore, right? But I guess he's got a lot of confidence. If you dated another like random supermodel every week, I feel like you'd have a lot of confidence. Yeah, but there's like, no, like, oh, I wonder if she's married or I wonder if she's dating somebody. It's just like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to ask the waitress out today. Well, again, he's willing to date the married person, I guess. So, you know, he doesn't want to wait out the relationship anymore. Just go straight for the, the jugular. Yeah, nobody's ever, like, uh, taken ex- except for uh, Grace Adler. Who's Grace Adler? <laughs> um, what's her name? I thought you were, do you mean uh, Maggie Grace? No, 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 no. Um, oh, she's literally taken and taken. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, Deborah Messing. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, so when she was married and then she was married again. Okay, so then uh, let's go to Elaine at work. Uh, she is talking with some of her coworkers a story about how Peterman ate it. Uh, is she talking about a story where Peterman fell down? Yeah, she's talking about Peterman falling down. Okay, there's no way that he was literally eating something. Liter- what do you mean? Like what she's saying, and then Peterman ate it. There's no way she's oh, saying. Oh, that- I got it. I got it. Oh no, no. So no, he didn't fall down. Sorry, sorry, sorry. He, yes, no, he ate it. I, I never told him. I think implies that like he ate something that fell on the floor. Okay. Oh, I thought it, like he ate it as in like a uh, you know some, like a like he, fe- he fell. Like yeah. yeah like but then fell. I never. What did I, I never told him? Mean that I saw it. Like I never told him I saw him fall. Like, no, there was a banana peel right there on the floor. I never told him, and then he ate it. Oh, okay, fine. I got it. That, okay. Either way, probably food though. Probably food related. I hope that's not the thing you wanted me to ask. No, 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 no. This is much better. Okay. okay. So Elaine uh, is talking with these guys, and we have a new character in her office, uh, Molly Shannon. Uh, that her character name is Sam. Yeah, her character name is Sam. Um, the I, I do think that they've gone overboard with because we complained earlier in the series that the one t- it's too confusing to remember all the character names of the. One and done, you know, Jerry girlfriend, Elaine coworker, George, whatever. But they go, they go like too far. Jerry's girlfriend in this episode, Lynette, her name is mentioned very casually one time. Okay. You know, like she's such a main part of the episode and you, and like, you don't know her. Like I'm, you know, looking at the script and stuff, like you don't know the name of the, of the character. Like they've almost gone the other way too much. Yeah. Well, give them like more memorable names, I think. Or who cares what their name is that she should be the, you know, the high maintenance, uh, you know, the, you know, that she should have some sort of like branded name. Right. Right. If she, if, if you're like the low talker or the high talker or the man hands, then you don't need a name. But if you don't have like a really definable thing in two or three words, then give him like a really wacky name. Yeah, she's just the woman that needs so much that she needs multiple guys as a boyfriend. Yeah, that's too that's too complicated. Too complicated. Okay, so Elaine is calling out how Molly Shannon is walking, and her male coworkers uh, give her sort of like a trying to imply that a cat fight is going on. Keeve. Uh, let's just address uh, the catfight conversation. Uh, how much have we progressed from 1997 to 2017? If this was to happen now, would there be more talk of the catfight or less talk of the catfight? You know, I, I can't remember the last time like I used the word catfight unironically or even ironically. Like, I feel like it was a popular thing 
in the late 90s, early aughts, but you don't hear much about it. But there was a movie that just came out a few weeks ago called Catfight, which is just like Sandra Oh and Anne Heche, like punching each other. Not an animated film literally about cats. No, not like Garfield and some other cat. Like right, going some sort of like feline UFC. Yeah. like do You know the podcast Doug Love Movies? Yes. Doug Loves Movies? Yes. So um, he, someone said, oh, you have to listen to it. So I listened to this episode. I hadn't heard it in a bunch of years. And the director of the movie and the two stars, Sandra Oh and Anne Heche, are on the podcast. Uh, you know, it's three guests and they play games against each other. Yes. And within like four minutes of the of the podcast, like the director writer gets kicked off, gets kicked out of the podcast for being too like belligerent. And then and Anne Heche is and Anne Heche goes completely insane. And she gets kicked out of the podcast because she's a lunatic. Yeah. And the podcast, it ends up just being him and Sandra O oh, like apologizing for them for the whole podcast. It's really like hard to listen to. It's very awkward. Yeah. Remember when Anne Hayes used to date Ellen? Yeah. So a, a an update to last week when I said like, who are the most famous, um, you know, people on Twitter to have under 10,000 followers? Oh, so so Anne Hayes was one of them. I got some listener emails. I, I have some of them in front of me. So Anne Hayes. The, I think the best one I got was Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett. Who's like really famous. And if he was like active on social media, he'd easily have three, four million followers, bare minimum. He has 7,000. When was the last time he tweeted? Like 2015. But he has tweeted a few hundred times. It's not like he's ne- one of these like blank accounts. But even if he'd never tweeted once, he should have more so than 7,000 followers. Uh, uh, I'm looking at, at Kevin Garnett, 5KG. Last tweet, October 1st, 2013. Oh, okay. So it's longer. But that's still, I mean, he still has a few hundred tweets, right? Uh, he has 243 tweets. Yeah, I feel like that's too few followers for, you know. And he's leaving money on the table. The thing about Kevin Garnett, not to like turn this into like inside the NBA podcast, he made like $300 million. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think he needs like the, the, the flat tummy tee you know, advertisement for like 50 bucks or whatever. <laughs> um, so, so Kevin Garnett, Reginald Fell Johnson, Carl Winslow, oh, has very few, yeah, and, he's very, and he's very active on Twitter. And how many Twitter uh, followers does he have? I, I don't write the number for any of these, but they're all like five, six, seven thousand. Um, no, they're all under 10. Zachary Ty Bryan, the older brother from Home Improvement. Yes. Has very few, and he's active. I think he now like maybe directs. I, you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas like sometimes directs Tim, uh, Tim Allen's, uh, what's his show on ABC? Last Man Standing? Yeah. Like, he'll randomly come and, like, direct an episode. I feel like that should, like, be in more in the news, but it's not. Hmm. Okay. Like, he's just a TV director now. I yeah. don't know. He was literally, like, when we were kids, he was, like, the most famous person in the whole country. And so he's just, a big like, deal. Toiling obscurity. Yeah. Arvel um, Johnson, uh, 6,568 followers. Yeah. And he's active. And he's active. Just tweeted about, uh, on April 11th, uh, he tweeted a, a music video. Yeah, uh, Edward Furlong, who's I, I believe uh, he started American History X. Mm-hmm. Ter- movie Terminator Two, I think, few. was his big. Uh, yeah, I'm not a Terminator guy, but yeah, I think he was in one of those. Yeah, um, Brian Dunkelman. Uh, well, you're not going to the, the follower process. count. Uh, Edward Furlong, uh, nine, uh, 79, 80, and not verified. Could be a different Edward Furlong. No, I think it's him. I think he probably can't get verified. <laughs> it's like we need you to start. You need to like. Get like a bit role in a Marvel movie, and then we'll uh, we'll verify it. Yeah, what he needs to do um, is have Edward Furlong from 1992 get sent into the future and go to Twitter ooh. and get verified <laughs> so that he can be verified. Right, like Zachary Ty Bryan on Home Improvement. If Twitter's around in 1996, he's got four million followers. Right. So he was just born. Twitter was born at the wrong time, or he was. Then Dunkelman. Uh, at one point, I said I saw he had like 400 a bunch of years ago, and it was very sad. 
Uh, he has, so he has a few thousand now, and Ryan Seacrest has like seventeen million. Yeah, or something. he is verified so. now. Dunkelman sixty nine eighty one for uh, Brian Dunkelman. Seems like a nice guy. I feel I feel a little bad for Dunkelman. Um, and then this is a great one. I'm sorry I don't have who sent it to me in front of me, but a listener sent this one in. Carlos Bernard, Tony Almeida, verified yeah. on Twitter, under ten thousand followers. Wow. Yeah, and he's a big Cubs fan. He likes to tweet about the Cubs. Yeah. Maybe that turns people off. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, the, the and also, nobody's turned. watching his new twenty four show. I think he. You know, if if Twitter was around for the original twenty four, he'd be yeah, not a good sign out. for Carlos Bernard. Uh, Ninety eight fifty eight on the followers, and what was so? And what was Dan Hayes? Uh, Hayes is also under, I think, just under ten ten k. Yeah, boy. I mean, if we could go back and do this podcast back in uh, two thousand, uh, so, so many surprises. Anne Hayes is uh, is down and out, not married to Ellen. Amanda Pete, yeah, if Ellen, if they, Meyer, were still they didn't go anywhere with their with their careers. They didn't have the careers we expected. Uh, so, so Edward Furlong is oh, not we should, verified. That's, by the way, that's not like a bad podcast idea. Like, buy you, we each like buy or sell stock in like ten or twenty actors, and then like five, ten, fifteen years later, you see how you did. That would have been like a fun thing to do in the nineties. You would have been like all in. You know, like we talk about like JTT, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. There would have been certain people like Amanda Peet would have been a big one. Yeah. Um, all like if you do it a little later, like all the OC people. Yeah. You're like Misha Barton. She's probably going to be like the next Julia Roberts. And now she's, you know, like also you know, Akiva. I feel like that we're yeah. st- it's like a backdoor pilot into the podcast that I want to do after Seinfeld ends, which is basically like just going through different IMDBs and talking about like, hey, here's this person. <laughs> we thought this was going to be big. Uh, this their career was really bad at that point. They came back. I really I want to go through everybody's IMDB. Well, by the way, can I give you a re- an actually good pod, like that is I would listen to that or I would be part of it. But yeah. I think I think a better idea is you have like a B-list celebrity on and you talk to them about their IMDb. You just like go through like, what was that like? You know, tell I think me a story every about podcast interviews celebrities, I think is. Uh, but you think so? Yeah, we that we need to be able to talk. And, and the name of this podcast is called <laughs> IMD Bags. <laughs> <laughs> So it's the IMDb logo with like an AGS. Yes, yes. it's such a great idea. And we're D bags that go through people's IMDb and like, ah, uh, this wasn't very good. Like, uh, we thought, well, Brecken Meyer, what happened to him? What if we do like a runoff? Like one time we surprise the listeners and we just have an IMDb bags and we just like randomly Google people and we go through there. Yeah, you know, and we, we could sort of like have some sort of a theme to it. I don't know necessarily of like uh, what what it is. Right, you could do like ninety stars, or you could do you know you could do like. Uh, you know, like sitcoms of the eighties or whatever and, and see like where people are. Right. Or this week, this thing is coming out. Uh, like this is like the Baywatch movie is coming out this week. Let's talk. Let's look at the IMDB of people over on the original Baywatch. Totally. Yeah. I think this has legs. Has some legs. legs. All right. We're going to have some free time on Wednesdays in a few. (laughs) Summer of Kiev. All right. (laughs) So uh, anyway, so so we got into that from our cat fight still a thing. And uh, (laughs) we we say uh, no. Thumbs down. Not that many cat fights. Nobody says it. Nobody says it. I mean, I'm sure women are still fighting, but we're respectful. Women are still fighting, but they do it on Bravo. Guys don't really (laughs) care that much about it. Too much uh, pornography, easily accessible. Nobody is trying to uh, hope that, you know, women on the street get into a fight. Right. And I think also just history proved like that's not what happens. Women don't just like start a fist fight and then start kissing. Right. Nobody's going to women's UFC matches like. No, not at all. Right. OK. So they, we've, we've sort of like uh, desexualized uh, women fighting. I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I agree. Let's move on before I say something. Yeah. Uh, we've still <laughs> exploit it. But uh, there's, you know, it's not really looked at as part of something that is uh, erotic. I agree. Okay. 
Jerry is talking to Elaine and uh, she's explaining the thing about uh, how Molly Shannon is carrying the suitcases around that uh, looks like invisible suitcases. I like that Jerry is like trying to process what Elaine is telling him and he sort of is like uh, miming like, oh, so you mean like this? Like, I feel like that was a very realistic way that he's processing this information. I think it was scripted. Um. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that they were just talking it through, but it seemed like that, you know, he's like actually like trying to understand what she's talking to him about. Right. And so anyway, uh, that Jerry too, uh, he's in on the cat fight talk and Elaine calls him out on that. And he says, well, what about ladies night? How come women get to drink free? Yeah. That's such a, like a, like, you know, the classic, like I'm, you know, like men's right person always says like, why that's so fair. I'm going to sue. Yeah. I think that, uh, Tom Likas, I think he has a book called, uh, but what about ladies night? <laughs> well, I think he just wouldn't want any women in the bar at all. <laughs> no, no, he wouldn't go to a bar if there were no women there. Um, I mean, he'd probably just end up marrying two of them. <laughs> just kidding. We love you, Tommy. Come on the show. <laughs> Be the first guest on IMD bags. <laughs> I think he wouldn't do the show because he has like a pathological hatred of New York. Why? He's from New York, but he had a bad experience there. So like he, he like he hates everyone and everything from New York. We're, we're to New York. Yes, we're to New York for him, for sure. We're definitely to New York. OK. All right. Like him, we're two New Yorkers and no longer live. All right. There you go. George is also uh, in the mix uh, that he's watching the white shadow on TV. I mean, what is the white shadow? It's uh, you don't remember it. It's um, I mean, it was before your time. It was a. High school basketball show. It's like Bill Simmons. Yeah, Bill Simmons style. That, that's the only thing I know about. Ref- from Bill used Simmons. to reference it constantly. Like he kept it alive for years, although he stopped mentioning it recently. <laughs> okay. All right. So then we end up seeing uh, George talking about how he needs a day or two to decompress. Uh, and he got a new recliner with a fridge built right into it. Keith, is this something you'd be interested in? Oh, yeah. I mean, the second I saw this episode, I started Googling and seeing if it was a possibility. <laughs> All right. Kramer comes in. He has a stomach ache. Uh, he needs Tums. He drank too much water in the shower. Is that a thing? Like drinking too much water and your stomach hurts? I, well, I just, just don't like know Kramer? necessarily why you would need an antacid if you drank too much water. I mean, I feel like that the point of an antacid right. is you have too there's much like soap in the water. Uh, but so- soap is going to like um, give you sort of like uh, too much acid in the stomach. I don't really get that. No, I don't know. Yeah. All right. But uh, Jerry, he wrote these jokes for the Tonys. He's going to the Tonys. Kramer's going to the Tonys also. He's going to be a seat filler. Yeah. And, and by the way, this just gets, you know, he just says that nobody reacts like, oh, you're going to the Tonys too? Like Kramer, why would you go to the Tonys? It's, I was like, oh, yeah, of course you are. Yeah. He says he got this gig from Mickey. He's a member of the Academy. Kramer doesn't know which Academy. How come Mickey's not there? I mean, he probably is. They just can't sit next to each other. You just don't see him. He's off screen. He's filling a different seat. Filling a different seat. Okay. So we see Jerry going to go pick up Lynette. Uh, he has a tuxedo and uh, she is not alone. She has a guy named Lyle and Lyle comes over and then he gives Lynette a kiss on the mouth and says, have a good time. I, I happen to love the casting of Lyle. I think he's such like a random dude. And, yeah. you know, we don't hear much from Lyle, but I would love to know Lyle's backstory. Right. He's like a uh, Danny McBride type. Totally. Yeah. Or it was just like a random like guy who shows up in the Big Lebowski for like two seconds. But what is the backstory here on Lynette and Lyle? Right. So there's a few options when you're watching in real time. You're thinking like, okay, are they siblings? But then the kiss is not siblings, right? And I mean, Jerry asks at the Tonys, but 
it's a like it could be that they're siblings and and then the, the joke is that they're siblings who are too close which seems like a road that Seinfeld would be happy to go down they're definitely like, you know, not siblings them. they're definitely not siblings right, that she right. I'm saying know. but it's not okay. that's like you know just one of the options that immediately passed through your mind and it's like are they just roommates you know that's a possibility is he gay that's a possibility but you know she knocks down most of these when Jerry asks so what is it really right so we don't get an answer and then i think it's just I guess the same way that there are two men being one, she's, you know, she like wanted to have two boyfriends or, you know, they were in an open relationship or something like that. Is Lyle under the impression that Jerry is gay? Is this being sold to him as like, I mean, they're going to the Tonys. I'm going to the Tonys with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, Don't worry, Lyle. Uh, He's just, you know, uh, he's gay. I mean, maybe they're just like, you know, like friends with benefits or something. Friends with benefits. I'm not. You know, because she's pretty easy, easily, you know, she throws him out of the picture but off screen. Isn't one of those benefits uh, no kissing on the mouth as a greeting? I mean, it depends on the relationship. Like, I don't, you know, all friends with benefits are no kissing. I think that's your thing of pretty woman. I've never, well, I've never had a uh, friend with benefits. Uh, I barely uh-huh. have a friend. Uh, I, I barely know anything from benefits. Barely have benefits. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Wait, so you, your, your impression is that there's a no kissing rule? Well, I mean, I think that the if if there was a friend with benefits, I think then you sort of would there would be benefits, but not you would not be obligated to a uh, a kiss on the mouth, hello and goodbye. Right, you're not obligated, but also he wants to like mark his territory in front of Jerry. Oh, this was a power move. So power move by Lyle. Right, power move by Lyle. Okay, so I see it in that point. We're the wrong guy to answer this question, but I don't think that's like a hard and fast rule. Right. No. Right. There's no. <laughs> so Lyle is just right trying to. Right so Lyle, Lyle's trying to mark his uh, territory. And say, hey, Correct. hey, uh, Mr. Tony's, you're the cuck, and I am the alpha male. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in those, in those terms. <laughs> That's what I see on Twitter, Keeve. We're bringing that word back, unironically. <laughs> <laughs> so Kramer uh is at the Tony's and uh he's like knocking people over. That in the inside look there's a story about how uh Berg and Schaefer uh they they were at the Oscars and they were like trying to like get like the weirdest person possible to sit next to their friends. Yeah. I I do love the idea that this the the, the um Lynette part of the story is just like a real thing that happened to them and they're basically doing the exact same thing. In fact, I wonder if the kiss is there because that's what happened, because I think he mentions that's what happened. So they're just almost staying true to the story because it's such a goofy story. <laughs> yeah. Like, it would make less sense. It would be, it would probably make more sense comedically for them not to kiss. Mm-hmm. You know, to, like, leave open the possibility of, like, are they siblings? Are they brothers? Is he, is he gay? You know, like, but because that's what happened, I think she. But she we've has sort to of do done it. that particular story before where George is dating the woman who has the roommate who looks exactly yeah. like him. And then uh, yes. they, they propose the uh, menage a trois later on in the. So it's right. sort of like. Uh, yes. re- so at least this is a different twist on it. Right. And this, and this show never recycles like similar but slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> and in the case of the woman that went on the date uh, with Berg, uh, I think it was probably exactly the move that we're describing of the power move of like, OK, yes. you can go to the Oscars uh, with this uh, wormy writer guy. But just mm-hmm. remember, I mean, they said it in the inside look that he's a photographer, so he's wormier than any writer. <laughs> Okay, so we... It's probably Troy's in. Oh, that 
Maybe. <laughs> hey, look, Dreisand has some uh, some hot model pictures that he posted today. Yeah. No, he's a. We're, we're, we're losing people. We're losing people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, I like when Kramer says to the woman at the Tony's, like, hey, if they catch us on TV, we'll have some explaining to do. <laughs> uh, so Jerry is quizzing Lynette. Uh, are you and Lyle roommates? No. Uh, is he gay? And she says, I think I would know if he was gay. So uh, we sort of like established that there's, um, you know, no uh, relationship there other than a potential romantic one and is kramer eating turkey i still think at this point they could be yes he is eating turkey turkey i I do think at this point because he specifically says roommates and gay that it's possible that they're siblings who just like were a little bit too close there yeah which is the better case scenario keeve that they're siblings or that she has a guy that she is hooking up with at the house i feel like if you are winning like the face off with this lyle it's not it doesn't mean that this person is, is, you know, a long, like that person could still be an option long-term. Like they were dating someone, they realize they like you more. I feel like that's not a death knell. You know, that's, that's not like a, a fatal flaw for the person. Okay. Uh, like if, she, if she's kissing her sibling that like, you know, close to the mouth that you don't, you go a thousand miles away from that person. A little counterintuitive, but I think you're right on that one. Oh no, definitely. Like there's going to be other issues. Keith, are you a jerky guy? Yeah, I love jerky. I mean, there aren't like there are there is kosher jerky, but it's not like the most common thing. So it's not like something I have frequently, but I do like jerky. Okay, all right. So Scarsdale surprise is the winner. A bunch of people are sort of pushing Kramer out into the aisle that to me, when we see the scene on television and there's five people up on the stage, I feel like it's a little unrealistic that Kramer gets swept up into this where we have these scenarios like where like you have like best picture at the Oscar and there's like 25 people on the stage. Like I could totally see this happening. Sure. But with five people there for Scarsdale surprise at the Tonys, I I found this a little absurd that the, the other four producers would not know any, this other person who was there and who just sat down a minute ago right but maybe they think he's an usher or something he's standing behind them like they're also like you're euphoric you know you've won awards they before. pull him like, onto you, the stage i know but they, it's it's an accident if you're watching it's like they're sort of like hugging each other through kramer and so they just sort of like sweep him onto the stage mm-hmm. I, you know they're just so happy that it's, it's not their concern he's not gonna like he's not like dangerous so what are you gonna do the problem is afterwards that he's just like you know he put it like just allowed to keep the Tony and whose Tony is it? And like, nobody cares. That's a little bit more problematic. Okay. So George is watching this from home with the refrigerator chair that made uh Keeve uh, very jealous. And so he sees exactly uh, how this plays out. All right. So Elaine is out at monks with Molly Shannon. She feels like people are making fun of her. Yeah. And Elaine tells her the truth and it doesn't go over well. Yeah. So, you know, that's a point in the favor of all the times that the core four lies to people and Molly Shannon goes nuts. She says, everybody told me what a catty shrew you were. I feel like this is Molly Shannon, like playing like such a typical Molly Shannon character. Yes. She's overdoing the Molly Shannon-ness. I mean, that's fine. When you hire Molly Shannon, that's what you're getting. But it's just, you know, this is this is Molly Shannon to a take. She'd be a good one to go through the IMDb on also that she never really sort of like uh, broke out after leaving SNL. That's true. But that's a pretty typical like we could do. We actually that would be a good week on IMDb on IMD bags. Like, you know, do some old SNL people who maybe never, never made it or like some people who did. But the problem is like this when they're on SNL, then they're ba- barely maybe you do a small movie every summer. But like 
you're barely doing anything for seven, eight years. But that's actually a very good idea. Yeah, the thing is with the SNL people, it's like they usually like land a vehicle right off of SNL. And their whole rest of their career is based on the success or failure of that one project. Yeah, I think that's actually a very astute point. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. That's and good I don't know what exactly you know, she did that. She did that uh, Mary Catherine Gallagher superstar movie. Uh, she also then had like another shot at it with the uh, Kath and Kim, which I don't think you remember, which we've talked about. I, rem- I remember. I, I didn't see it, but I definitely remember it. Yeah, uh, she was the lead in that. And that also uh, didn't go anywhere. So the thing is, if you're on SNL for a while, like at the very least, you always work. You might not be Tina Fey. But you'll, you know, you'll generally be able to get, you know, guest gigs and you could pay your bills. The Keenan Thompson paradox. She, she but, well, Keenan, right. Keenan Thompson is, is sort of the outlier in like, he never like was willing. First of all, he had an opposite career, which he was famous before the show, which most people aren't. Mm-hmm. And then, right. He was probably one of the most famous people ever hired on the show. And then he never left. Like he, he wasn't willing to find out what would happen. <laughs> right. Like, he knows he, what's out there. Yeah. And he knows, by the way, like. Stay on the show forever. You know, he's making more money now than in year one. Like, like it's sure really hard well. to get another job. Trust me. Yeah, he works 18 weeks a year, 21 weeks a year. <laughs> like the rest of the year, he could, you know, just hang out and seems like a cool guy. He has fun in New York City. Yeah. Uh, uh, Molly Shannon, she's not a star. She has like 50 roles in the last five years. She's in a lot of things. Right. Okay. So Jerry ends up having a conversation with George about the Lyle of it all. And there was a dude there, a lot of dude talk about, uh, you know, she had a dude. Do you think it could have just been some dude? George says dudes in this town are a dime a dozen. Um, is that true? Dudes are a dime a dozen? I think so. I think, you know, random yeah. dudes. I mean, I think sort of like the essence of a dude is just like some random person. I agree. No, that's definitely correct. Yeah. And so that George says, ask her out again when there's no Tonys and then we'll see what's going on. I mean, this seems like a uh, pretty cut and dry. Yes. Okay. All right. So George needs to go home. He needs to take a nap. He's getting uh, wiped out. It's already 1030. Listen, I'm the summer George. It's making me very jealous. If this wasn't already my life, like I would want it. You know, the thing is, the less you do, the more you're like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. Like, you know, the, if, if you're really busy, you don't have time to be tired. But the less stuff you have to do, it's like, oh, boy, I got to fit a nap in here somewhere. It's a really, like, interesting thing because I grew up in a neighborhood where, like, none of my mom's friends ever worked. Mm-hmm. And they and like my mom, like, has a school and she has like 100 employees and, you know, like it's a real full time job. And like her whole life was just like her friends complaining to her that, like. You know, they had to go to the store and then, like, their kid forgot lunch and they had to drive to school and and drive them lunch. Like, you know, like, complaining to her that they had a busy day. And I realize now, like, when you don't do anything, it's much more tiring. Like, if you're working all day, you never think about those things. But if you have one thing to do all day, you'll think about that thing all day long and it'll ruin your day. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that is Just don't do anything. Either work a lot or literally do nothing. Those are your only two options. Yeah. All right. Kramer comes in after a wild night at the Tonys. A a whole whirlwind for, for Kramer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could, you could like see the day on Kramer's face. Like you could tell he had a good time. Okay. Scarsdale surprise key is a musical about the Scarsdale diet doctor murder. Yes. Uh, I think uh, Craig from the Couve uh, wrote in, he was familiar with it. He said that Scarsdale surprise is based off the life of Dr. Herman Tarnow. Oh, that's a real play. Ki- yeah. Who was killed by his longtime girlfriend after he was caught cheating on her. Seeing that it's a musical, it's as ridiculous as it sounds. That was uh, musical expert Craig from Vancouver. Okay, wow. I, I thought this was a fake movie or fake play. The so whole did time. I. So did I. I. You know, I, I, I never thought that it was real. It sounds too dumb. It sounds too 
Seinfeldy, right? But it's real. Yeah. Okay. And we find out that Scarsdale Surprise stars a mind-blowing performance from Raquel Welch. We were just discussing Raquel Welch a few weeks ago. Okay. Keith, well, is this all a coincidence? I mean, these episodes, we just talked about Raquel Welch we extensively when we went through everything in the yada yada and the joke that is told about the Pope and Raquel Welch. And here is an episode of Seinfeld, not only mentioning Raquel Welch, Raquel Welch is going to uh, appear in this episode in a little bit, and no mention of the Pope or the joke. I mean, I wonder if that was a little Easter egg, like, hey, guys, good news, we landed for the finale, we landed Raquel Welch. Is this a total coincidence? How could it be? It was two episodes ago. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's a good question, but I feel like that's too meta to start discussing it, right? Like, throw back this old joke. Like, are you going to flash back to it? Like, who remembers? I mean, nobody's going to remember anything about, like, was it like, uh, was, was the Pope there? I mean, they talked about Raquel Welch in, uh, I mean, is it that the same sort of thing with Three Musketeers? Uh, that is, is, is there somebody on the staff obsessed with Raquel Welch? You know, I, I, I guess, I mean, obsessed enough to, like, call her up and, you know, get her to come on the show. So I'm not sure. They, yeah, I guess someone has to be, like, a big Raquel Welch fan for this to have happened. Mm-hmm. And that's my question. That's what I, that's what I want to know. Why are we getting, so, like, uh, a mention of Raquel Welch only two or three weeks ago and then Raquel Welch here? So you want me to tweet this to the writers? Yes. Okay, the only problem is it's a little bit wordy okay i'm gonna have to really tinker t- tinker this down well, i could do it okay. off off the podcast but was I'll, I'll, i will ask the writers was the raquel welch pope joke a way to signal her appearance in the finale basically I, were we tipping off the i almost audience? think we've gone too dorky with this question <laughs> it's too dorky i mean well but what a coincidence to have a, a Raquel Welch Melch. I mean, it's not like, oh, that they just, uh, you know, randomly mention her in season three. If it's two weeks in episode, then like they've already booked her. You know what I mean? Yes. So I, I just don't think it's coincidence at that point. I think it's pretty clear that she's the person on, on their minds. And I even said then we had this whole long debate that we didn't really, you know, solve, which is like why you know, Raquel Welch shouldn't even be in the joke. It should be like someone more now. And more, you know, like a 30-year-old attractive woman, not like a 60-year-old. So maybe the the question is, was Raquel Welch in the yada yada joke, the yada yada Pope joke, because you guys knew she was going to be in the season finale? Okay. So uh, we'll get on that. So I I think this is a very valid question. It's a valid question, but I I, feel like you're poo-pooing this question a little bit. I'm not poo-pooing it. I'll tell you what I'm poo-pooing. I'm poo-pooing the chance that we get this question answered. Who would know? I'm just thinking of it in terms of who wrote the yada yada. Melman. Melman wrote the yada yada. Hmm. Okay. And he was a higher up. Like he would know like that she was coming in a few weeks. Yeah. So you think that the joke could have been somebody else? I do think it's. I do think it's a good question. No, I mean, listen. Maybe she. Maybe they were just like. She was like the stereotypical, like her, maybe Farrah Fawcett, like the stereotypical, like it girl. But it's a little bit past her time, you know, by the time that this episode was airing in 1997. Yeah. Like we said, you know, it's more of like a Pamela Anderson thing or a Julia Roberts thing. Yeah. Don't even get me started on Julia Roberts winning uh, Most Beautiful Woman for the fifth time this, yes, today. If, in what? Was, in what? In People? She won People's Most Beautiful Woman Alive for the yeah. fifth time. Yeah. She's like the LeBron of most beautiful women alive. You're only going to get yourself in trouble on this one, Keith. <laughs> I know. I, she's very beautiful. She's very beautiful. 
26 years after her first one. I one. think it should have been Raquel Welch. It has nothing to do, I'm sure, with her, you know, her agent or publicist, like wanting to get her. Keeve, Keeve, I'm got look, I'm, I'm pulling you back in from the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Okay. It's good. We're on like the 16. We're like five hours. In. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll pick up the pace. We'll pick up the pace. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so we get a scene with Elaine and Molly Shannon in her office. And she's like, I think about what you said. And I should be swinging my arms more. You mean like this? And she just sort of like knocks over all of the papers uh, in Elaine's office. And Elaine really spends the rest of the episode trying to get somebody to listen to her, her being threatened by uh, Molly Shannon's uh, character, Sam. So uh, Jerry goes to pick up Lynette for another date. And up, uh, oh, she's in a towel, but so is Lyle. Is she going to the shower or leaving the shower? Because hmm. Lyle seems to be going to the shower. Yes, they're headed to the shower. Did she not know Jerry so, like, was coming? Are they just like going one after the other? I mean, obviously, that's not the implication. but Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, he's uh, Lyle's in a towel and then Jerry is like longing for this towel time what does Jerry want Jerry wants to shower with Lynette he's really into towel time also by the way Lyle let's be fair about Lyle he's not a towel wearing guy <laughs> he's not a you towel know what I mean guy. so maybe he's, he's a guy walks around without a towel yeah so uh, any other plausible explanation is this just like they're both in a hurry they both need to shower at the same time it's possible. It's possible. Well, like literally shower at the same time or, or, one, or one after the other because it's two different things. I don't know. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Rob. What? There's no such thing as platonic showering together. Mm, yeah. It's not super convenient. There's no such thing. Yeah. As far as e- either way, either, even non, well, I'm saying that non-platonic uh, showering is less than ideal also. In terms oh, of yeah, like, no, for sure. if you were saying, in a hurry, yeah, yeah. like there's no time saving sure. that goes on there. No, no time saving. Though. No, it's probably a lot of fighting for the soap. <laughs> uh, all right. So Jerry is uh, talking to George on the phone at home. Uh, yeah. And uh, I do think this episode, like many other episodes, has a lot of like explaining to the other person in the previous scene, which like. We're used to at this point, but no other shows do this. Yeah. And Kramer is coming through. George like wants the play-by-play of what's going on with Kramer over the phone. Jerry's getting very stressed out. Yeah, it is funny. Like, George and Kramer just, like, going back and forth through Jerry. Yeah. Okay. Kramer is headed off to lunch at Sardi's. Uh, that he's not taking the Tony to Sardi's. The Tony is taking him to Sardi's. Yeah, I guess it's hard to get into. Yeah. Although any place it's hard to get into for lunch, that's, like, a real restaurant. Is Sardi's a real place? Yeah, I believe it is. It sounds like a fancy, like, near Broadway's place that, like, the old school guys would go to. Okay. You see, like, George Plimpton there in the 40s. I'm just guessing. <laughs> All right, here comes Lynette, and she lets Jerry know, hey, Lyle and I are completely over. I'd rather be with you. No dudes, no fellas. Uh, He can start right away. So what happened on the date? Like, was the date with Jerry so great, or did something go off the rails with Lyle? I think the date with Jerry was good, but to me, this is a little bit of a flaw in that we should have had a more interesting you know, we should have seen, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was a very interesting dilemma that Jerry had that just got solved in one second off screen. I don't love it. Right. I don't know. Did Lyle blow the whole thing up because he was, did not like Jerry? Was Lynette. Like, did he give it, it's me or it's him? And then she chose him. But like, why aren't we seeing that? Yeah. Like, it's so and vague. Yeah. Like, why are they showering together if they're sort of on the rocks? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe it was like. 
you know, to save the relationship. A save the relationship shower? Yeah, I mean, listen, Elaine and Jerry have tried it. That's a lot of Not pressure on shower, one shower, Keeve. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I hope they have hot water. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I hope they don't have the low pressure shower head. Okay. So Kramer's at Sardi's. He's telling a whole story and uh, he's uh, saying that he came up with the title for Death of a Salesman or he wanted to make it Life of a Salesman. Life of a Salesman, which is this is a a very funny anecdote. And it's classic Kramer. It's a lot like Elaine in the limo, Mm -hmm. you know, saying that the original title was uh, War. What was it good for? Absolutely not. War. What is it good for? (laughs) Okay, Uh, so Kramer gets approached by a guy named Lewis Maxton Graham. He's one of the producers on Scarsdale Surprise. We need to talk. Yeah. Lou. Yeah. All right. Elaine is with Peterman. Uh, Elaine is trying to narc on Sam. This is a violent, psychotic behavior. And uh, Peterman, uh, I I do like that. I feel like this is sort of like burned in my memory the way he says, like, we're in the middle of a good old fashioned cat fight. Yeah, this is good, Peterman. Yeah. Having him like just opine on something. (laughs) Yes. And Elaine's trying to explain it. And I like that he says, uh, woof. (laughs) She's like, "Uh, I think you mean. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Peterman just walks away. He's no help. Yeah. The the very concept of like her being basically like, you know, threatened constantly by a sociopath and everyone just thinking it's hot is pretty funny. Yeah. And Elaine is like yelling like, no, Mr. Peterman, please. She's crazy. And then Molly Shannon uh, walks by and she goes into the Patsy Cline crazy. Patsy Klein. Yeah. Who's that? It's a woman that sings uh, crazy. crazy. Oh, I thought that was uh, Norris Barkley. <laughs> That's a different one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then let's go back to uh, Jerry with uh, Lynette. And uh, they got to swing by Monks on the way back from a busy afternoon. And uh, she wants to know about reservations for dinner. And uh, they went shopping. Jerry's tired. She's going to go get a haircut. Jerry's exhausted. I, I, you know, Jerry, sometimes we criticize his acting, but I do feel like he looks exhausted in that scene. It's a, he actually does a good job here. Yeah. She's also saying, like, call me when you get home. I won't be there, but leave me a message so I know you called. Like, is, is she concerned about him or is she just like giving him more things to do? More things to do. It's just like give me as give him as many things to do as possible and be controlling. Yeah. OK, so very high maintenance, uh, Lynette. And uh, she leaves. Perfect timing. George walks in. So it was a good that uh, two ships passing in the night. Uh, yes. Yeah. Magically, like everyone's just th- th- basically this is like the, the table at Monk's is essentially like the uh, the button that uh, they had to press on Lost. We're like, they just need one of them there at all times to keep the table going. <laughs> they need somebody just sort of like holding down the fort. Yeah. So George comes in. He like he tags them out. He tags Elena. Yeah. Okay. So then we get this conversation about how Jerry needs a relationship intern and George is going to volunteer for this job, Keith. I I don't get this. This seems very out of character for George. Doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Yeah. They're talking about how, look, you know, between uh, the two of us, we can't handle a woman, but, you know, one woman, you know, between the two of us, we should be able to do it. We could do the job of one normal man. What is George's motivation here? He's not getting the good parts of the relationship. Right. So. I mean, he's getting the parts that Jerry was sort of like almost complaining about uh, where, hey, I'm like uh, he's working in the showroom and I'm selling uh, concessions in this split. It's a terrible split. It's not like George likes 
running errands or anything like that. So I don't know what the upside is here. I agree. There's no motive. I guess he just likes, uh, you know, George, George likes to be involved and he likes like a scheme. So to him, like, this is a funny thing to like try and pull off. Uh, but yeah, there, it doesn't really seem like there's anything in it for George. And it's a little unclear, like, how are these two equaling one? It, do- it doesn't totally make sense. Right. Perhaps if Lynette had a different job where she wasn't a waitress in some sort of like outdoor cafe, if she was like, if she worked for like the, you know, some sort of like a, you know, uh, subscription sort of like a, a cheese delivery service and was getting George some sort of like a great deal. Like if, if there was something that the, the, the cheese well, of the month club. Yes. The well-being of Jerry's relationship somehow directly impacted George. Then I feel like we're onto something where George is like, hey, oh, whoa, 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 you can't break up with her. What right. do you need? You tell me I'll be your relationship intern. She's not going anywhere. Right. No, there's no motivation here. I agree. Yeah. So I don't know if she had a sister or a friend or something like that. Or I, I don't know. But it, he doesn't even seem interested in dating. He's just bored. So, yeah, I mean, he's bored. Exactly. But he's also bored and like, you know, he's not even motivated to come to Jerry's house. So I don't know why he's like motivated to go run errands for Jerry. Yeah, no, it doesn't totally add up. Yeah. Okay. Kramer uh, is at Sardi's and they tell him, okay, that this uh, award, you can keep it if you uh, go talk to Raquel Welch. She does a tap dance scene. She doesn't move her arms. It's very distracting. Yeah, so we have to fire her from from the show, which seems normal, just mm-hmm. to have like this random guy do it. Yeah, and so she's crazy, and uh, we want you to be the person to fire her. Um, yeah, I like how he buys it, too. Like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I think this is a fun storyline. Yeah, and no, I like this. Kramer is freaking out with Jerry, talking about how that uh, Raquel Welch, she's unstable. She They cut one of her lines, and she climbed up on the rope and started dropping lights on people's heads. Right, and that story has to be true because it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And Jerry says that she seems nice. And, and again, this has uh, been a theme all through season eight. Kramer says, Jerry, come on. You're not in show business. You don't know what these people are like. Um, yeah, no, that's a good line, too. I, I, I mean, it's also continuing the theme from like the whole last season or two where everyone you know assumes that Jerry's a loser who's not really in show business. Yeah, and Jerry's like, I am in show business. Um, and so Elaine ends up coming in. And she is uh, very upset. Uh, She has a tape, a message uh, from Sam, and she talks about how she's going to come find Elaine. Oh, yeah. No one else is concerned, then. Yeah. No one else is concerned. Uh, She says she tried to tell Peterman he thought it was a cat fight, and Kramer, that really catches his attention. Yeah, Kramer loves a good cat fight. Yeah. And Elaine still doesn't can't get her head around uh, what's going on here. And Jerry, once again, explains if women are grabbing, clawing, there's a chance they might somehow kiss. Right. We've debunked this. Right. I mean, (laughs) it's 1997. uh, You know, the uh, uh, you know, there's not a lot of women kissing uh, on TV, not, you know, uh, readily available at a moment's notice for uh, for all to see, uh, you know. I think when when did did Ellen who did did Ellen kiss Anne Haitian was it did who did Ellen kiss I don't know I remember Oprah was a therapist I don't know who she kissed on the show did she was it was it Anne Haitian that she kissed but or was it Anne Haitian I mean she you could married? argue that like Cinemax they were pioneers on on that channel right but right but that wasn't sort of like mainstream it's sort of like a, mm. a uh, 
Let me see. The, the was depends what stream you were in, but I hear you. I hear you. Uh, what, Laura Dern was kiss Laura Dern. I'm not sure. I don't know. Got to take a. I, I do remember Oprah being involved, not in the kiss in the in the episode. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, Google this answer real quick, but it's not something that uh, is. Uh, I don't have the, the right uh, search terms. <laughs> First of all, you've already violated like one of the main tenets of this show. What's that? Oh, do- sorry, dog pile. Yeah, dog pile. <laughs> I almost want you to edit that back out. I mean, that's, sorry. that's just not. Sorry. Well, you're messing with the sponsors. That's like, you know. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> you only will uh, dogpile to see uh, who Ellen kissed on her sitcom back in 1995. That's right. All right. So Jerry and George are continuing this charade that George is going to be the relationship assistant that we have find out that Lynette's having a party coming up and it's going to be uh, on Friday. The party's on Friday? Yeah. That we didn't I don't know. take care of the invitations. Yeah, we and we don't know the timeline here, but it's it's a couple days at most. Okay, so and uh, remember, don't skimp. So this is, I mean, the the timeline is: Hey, George, one second. She's having a party Friday night, and she wants me to take care of the invitations. I mean, I, she's a nightmare. First of all, it's Amanda Pete. Like she's so so many jobs. Like she thinks Jerry's doing this. She just met him, and who throws who sends out invitations to a party within like, the next make- six days? It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, what is she going to like hand them out to everybody at the coffee shop? Yeah. Yeah. Like call people up. How many people go to this party? You can't make eight phone calls, 20 phone calls. Like doesn't make any sense. 35 people, 35 invitations. Uh, And George is like carrying a bag with Jerry's sweaters in it. He's changing. He's like, oh no, the blue sweaters are favorite. How does he know? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. How would, how would George like, I mean, did he stalk her? Like, how does he know stuff about about like what she likes doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense unless stuff's happening off screen right he's spraying banaka in jerry's mouth he's saying make sure you comment on her manicure uh, you know again the, the whole thing is really uh, a stretch and so uh that jerry meets up with lynette and uh, she's like oh i love that sweater it's a hit uh yeah and 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 i mean george does give good advice right like telling her to say that the manicure is good that's you know george if it's not his life, he has like good advice for other people. He's like, a, you know, one of these psychiatrists who's like his personal life is a mess, but he's still good at his job. Okay. Uh, George is back at the stationery store, Keeve. Yeah. I just want to say about the Ellen thing, because I remember watching those episodes. She came out. I'm not sure she kissed anybody. That may have been like a bridge too far for ABC. Oh, was that it? I, I feel like that. I, it, I don't. I, I guess I can't find it. If someone will remember. But maybe I'm remembering it wrong that I thought yeah. that it was. Uh, so she came. So she came out and said that she was gay. It wasn't. Yeah, that, I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think. I, I do remember watching Ellen in 1997. I don't know if she kissed anybody. Not yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's probably uh, that, you know, in my mind, uh, not not the best way to handle it. Also, that that's how that, that's how she's announced. She's revealing that also. Right. I mean, and it was also like, was it I don't know, was it like weaved into the show? Like, I don't know when she came out also, but it was a different generation. 1997. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that maybe there was a different that was a different moment also uh, that, uh, you know, uh, sorry. All these 90s sitcoms in my head start to all. Men- Although even on even on Modern Family, like Kayla Mitchell didn't kiss for many years, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah, when it happened, it was like, yeah. OK. All right. So George at the invitation store. Is this the same woman from last year? Um. Yeah, it's the exact same woman. Yeah. Okay. Same actress, and uh, she's like, "If I recall, uh, that you like the, these invitations," and uh, he ends up like flipping the book backwards. She asks him, uh, "How did the wedding go last year?" 
How'd that work? Yeah, this really bothers me. This bothers me. This scene. Why? Because he purchases invitations, really cheap ones. She dies. She dies from the invitations. The doctor in the hospital says that she in- ingested a lot of toxic glue. So direct correlation, right? That it clearly came from these invitations. Not only does the Ross family, again, who is wealthy, not sue the store Melody Stationers, but they don't even o- alert them to the idea. That they have toxic invitations? Hey, maybe take these off your shelves. Like, we're rich. We're not going to sue this small business. Like, how would you know? But they don't even let them know. Yeah, that's a fair point. It, it, it does boggle the mind that they would not even be aware of the like, fact. It, like, it, it could if she's rich enough, like, you could have made the papers. You know, you could have alerted, like, the Daily News, the New York Post. They run a story about the toxic glue. Like, it's insane that they don't know. Yeah. And it's also like crazy, like there was no police report or anything like yeah. that, you know. Right. Uh, the police didn't follow up on it. It's nuts. Like this scene is insane. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Jerry becoming a werewolf last week was more realistic. <laughs> OK, uh, so George is going to go after these glossy invitations. That's what he uh, chooses. All right. So Raquel Welch is uh, meeting with Kramer and uh, that he says he's one of the producers and Raquel Welch is like getting into a fight with somebody on the phone. Uh, she says, uh, she says to somebody named Sydney, I told you, I don't want to do that. If you bring it up again, I'll feed your genitals to a wolf. Again, more wolves. Yeah, a lot of wolves. Okay. So Very wolf heavy season. I-, I like Kramer's pitch to Raquel Welch and what he tells her. He says, well, it seems due to the vagaries of the production parameters of this fragmenting of the audience to the cable television carnivals, water parks. <laughs> uh, and then uh, he blurts out that you're fired because you don't move your arms because you tap dance. Uh, you're like a gorilla. He like runs all of a sudden, Raquel Welch is like Miss Piggy. <laughs> I was going to say she's Lawrence Taylor. Well, you know, Miss Piggy is always like, you! Uh, and she's like throwing like Kermit the Frog around. That's true. Like, Miss Piggy was like, Miss Piggy was, was like, could have, you know, she was the Ronda Rousey of her day. She could just destroy anybody. Right. Nobody could win a fight with Miss Piggy. She would just kill people much bigger and stronger. She would act nice, but then when she would get pissed, she, would, she could just kick everybody's ass. And that's all yes. that, like that. I mean, it's, it's uh, very cartoony how Raquel Welch uh, just uh, beats <laughs> people up in this episode. Yeah, I thought Raquel Welch is really wooden in, in this scene, actually. Uh, don't, <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen, Keith. Yeah, I know. I don't think she's on. on the I Twitter. thought she was perfect. Yeah. And I think she, they, she by the second scene, she's better. But she seems like she can't nail the note here. She's like a little bit underwhelmed. By the way, uh, RW, she is uh, on the old Twitter machine. How many followers and for I, Raquel Welch? I have to say, Rob, she almost makes our list. Yeah. What's she at? 12,000 followers. And she tweets. Well, in fairness to Raquel Welch, I feel like that her key demo may not be on Twitter. I mean, they're probably like she'd have to like tweet into graves for her key demo. Oh, Keith, that's a little, a little harsh. No, check out her new book, Beyond the Cleavage, available everywhere. <laughs> Great name. How do you spell Raquel Welch? R A Q E L. Yeah. Q-U-E-L. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I I spelled it wrong, and I got some. Uh, you know what? You are a little bit right. Yeah. Because on Facebook, she's got sixty-one thousand, which is still very few, but like. Her crowd might be more on Facebook. Yeah. More of like, you know, remembering this person, but they're still there. Okay. There you go. Uh, find out about the Raquel you never knew, dot, dot, dot. In my own words, check out my new book, Beyond the Cleavage, available everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we could really ask, if we have a question about the episode, we might get her to answer or her team or something. Mm-hmm. Sure. She's only I mean, liked she's like, two tweets. I hate when people don't like tweets. 
She's only like two of them. Yeah. What do you think about non-likers? I'm anti the non-likers. No. What are you like? Don't like anything? The, all, millions and billions of tweets every day. There's only two that you like. Yeah. You know what t- two tweets she liked? What they were about her? No, they're like totally random. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty random. It's like right. a guy Raquel like uh, kissing somebody that's like his like uh, grandma or somebody. And she's got ten, only ten. Th- I mean, we should like. I'm no social media expert. She's got to get someone better on the case. She's still like an icon. She has 10,000 followers on Insta. And she's... On Insta? Uh, Who are you? On Instagram. Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk, he always says that. The, <laughs> the, um, that, that's like very few. And she could like post old pictures of herself. What about on Face? How many How many uh, people Nobody are says on that. Face? You mean the FB? <laughs> Only 60-something thousand. Insta. She's selling a shirt of a sweatshirt with a picture of her on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, stocking stuffer. Sh- sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's a big, it would have to be a big stocking. It's like a sweatshirt. <laughs> I don't think you could fit a sweatshirt into a stocking. Okay. So uh, we end up with uh, George is in the park. And uh, this is a familiar face. Yeah, this is David Mandel, the author of many episodes and the frequent writing partner of the uh, Bergen Schaefer who wrote this episode. Yes. Uh, he's the Frisbee golfer. Uh, we need a fourth for the back nine. You want in? I like the idea of a back nine in Frolf. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, George- you know, there's a Frolf Hall of Fame also. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you think we could get in as honorary members of the of the Disc Golf Hall of Fame? We probably have to podcast about it at least six episodes. Yeah. Well, maybe like IMD Bags will uh, will like have a spinoff, which is the Frolf podcast. Yeah. I feel like there's another world where Ben Stiller did the Frisbee Golf movie. Yeah. By the way, the Frisbee Golf movie in like the early 90s would have been big. It may be too late for it now. Yeah. But it's like, it, like maybe a sequel to Dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Ben Stiller had two scripts on his desk. One was for Dodgeball and one was for Frolf. And they went Dodgeball. Yeah. I- I think accessible. either way, it's a hit. Yeah. Okay. So I like that in his mind, he's thinking about, uh, he sees like a Frisbee golf uh, and a, uh, what's the deal with airline peanuts? And he goes and joins yeah. them. Okay. So <laughs> why did, uh, is this in here, Keeve? Um, what does George playing Frisbee golf, it just like made him like late for everything and have to rush more that he played Frisbee golf? Yeah. I think it just makes him makes him be in a rush. Yeah. And I think they like the idea of Rolf. Like they're paying off the joke from earlier. Yeah. I just don't think that it really ties into the fact that, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could have cut the scene if you absolutely needed to, but it's not a big deal. Okay. So Jerry is at Lynette's apartment. And uh, again, they're in the towels and uh, let's towel it up. He says, sir. And uh, hey, the invitations were supposed to go out today. Uh, they're useless if they don't. I guess you know the party is on Friday. So George gets into his apartment. He answers the phone. You got to get those invitations out. And uh, then he says, uh, "All right, all right, keep your towel on." Jerry says that's a good joke. Yeah, and, and right before this, George had run up the stairs and and dropped in one invitation on the stairs. Yeah, it's one glossy invitation on the steps. Uh, I like that Lynette also points out. Uh, hey, did you shave your chest hair? Right. It is a nice callback to last week. Yes. Okay. So we see Elaine on the street. She's trying to tell the police about the tape, and they're not really doing anything. They're, uh, again, going back to cat stuff. Yeah. Okay. And Raquel Welch walks down the street. She's getting upset. Uh, she sees Elaine and she says, Hey, that's my signature move. I do like that. She's like, already acknowledged this move that like, she didn't know she had mm-hmm. an hour ago. Like, that's my thing. I don't move my hands when I dance. Is that's my move. Too much of a coincidence that unrelated Raquel Welch and Molly Shannon both have the same odd way of walking. No, 
No, I mean, that happens all the time in Seinfeld world. Okay. Uh, we don't find out, like, is that she's Raquel Welch's daughter or anything like that? I mean, maybe, you know, like, that's possible. I could tweet it at Berg and Mandel also, like, are they related? Are Sam and Raquel It Welch just seems related? weird that they both have this very specific thing and there's no sort of, like, interaction. where, Or maybe, like, I learned, like, we don't find out, like, I, you know, I grew up watching Raquel Welch. Like, she learned to walk watching Raquel Welch. Mm-hmm. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So it would be interesting if we could tie them all together. But right, if she was a big Raquel Welch fan, that would that would be interesting. Okay, so uh, we get into the fight. The police officers are going nuts. Wow, cat fight with uh, Raquel Welch. Yeah, um, that, yeah. They, the police here are are pretty incompetent. There's, there's a reason why Juliana had to clean up the city. They were just you know they were just watching cat fights all day, and they were totally incompetent. Yeah. Um, and we end up, uh, this is a little out of order, but George ends up uh, heading back downstairs and he slips on that invitation and falls down the stairs, Keith. Yeah, I mean, I really like this whole, you know, sometimes they like, it's like two on the, on the nose, but I really like the way that they end this season in the same place with the invitations. And I, I, I think it's, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it's even finer than last time. It's a good bookend. Uh, just to go back to Elaine and Raquel Welch, should Raquel Welch have said it's go time before she fought Elaine? I do think so. I think, uh, what did she say? Like, let's go You're or going something? Down, I it's think. on? Yeah. You're going down. Yeah, I think it's go time would have been it. also a nice bookend for this season. That's a good point. Okay. So we see the hospital. You get the same doctor. Kramer, Jerry, and Elaine are waiting. Uh, Kramer and Elaine are both comparing sort of uh, battle scars from Raquel Welch, how she was a menace. And it is funny that she beat up half the gang. Right. And Kramer is, uh, even though he got beat up by Raquel Welch, he's still also like kind of turned on about the cat fight with Raquel Welch. Yeah. And he's, he's, still, he's still got the Tony after all that. Yeah. Uh, but the Tony has been destroyed. And, yeah, but you could get it fixed. Okay. So they wheel George out. Why they need to wheel him out into the lobby? <laughs> uh, that feels like... Uh, I think it's just... I mean, obviously, the answer is that we just want to have the, same, the scene in the exact same spot as last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they should go into his hospital bed, his room, if uh, you know, we're just being logical. Right. And they uh, ask, uh, you know, how are the towels? They're back on the rack. We're a man short. All right. So the doctor comes out and says, your legs have sustained extensive trauma. Your body was in the state of advanced atrophy due to a period of extreme inactivity. I I mean, Keeve, that he did just play Frisbee golf. Yeah. Someone emailed in and wrote that. uh, Like, he isn't that inactive. I mean, he's going up and down that flight of stairs all the time. That's true. That's true. It's funny. It's a funny idea, but the inactivity doesn't make so much sense. Okay. With a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck, there's a good chance you may one day walk again. Yeah. That's a little harsh for George also, but you know, a little harsh. He has a whole, he has a whole summer to to learn to walk off screen. And he does, he does have a cane in, in the season premiere next year. So it's still, you know, it, it still exists into season nine. Yeah. I mean, is there any malpractice here where they told him that he's never going to walk again and then in three months uh, that he's fine? No, I think the overly harsh sort of diagnosis. Are you always looking to sue doctors? Is that you, Rob? No, um, I mean, I've never sued a doctor. <laughs> That's good. No, I, I think um, I don't. I, I Listen, George is just a fighter. You see how hard he's working in PT in the final scene. Yeah. All right. So the, the gang is saying, wow, invitations again. Wow, that's weird. And very similar to the Susan scene. Uh, we're going to go get some coffee. Yeah, yeah, basically identical. And then the classic line by George to end the main part of the episode. Yeah. It's the summer of George. It's the summer, it's of, George. To be the summer of George. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Uh, then we see George at physical therapy trying to walk on the parallel bars. And we then see uh, Sam getting therapy to learn how to swing her arms. And then. Uh, Should Raquel Welch be in this scene also? Yeah, it wouldn't like on be. On the other bad. side of George? It, it wouldn't. It, it, you know. Maybe they only had her for like five minutes, but I, I think that would have. It would have been, uh, you know, it would have made sense as a bookend for like all of them to be learning how to walk properly. Yeah. Um, there should be some connection with uh, Molly Shannon and Raquel Welch, mm-hmm. considering they have the same thing. Uh, and maybe she was supposed to be in the scene and she walked off set because she's such a diva. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> that it was uh, really, this was not even a scripted episode. This was all uh, just improv by Raquel Welch. <laughs> That's her character. Okay. So uh, George ends up falling down, and that is the end of season eight, Keeve. Yeah. No more season eight. Uh, by the way, I said we'd do our season rankings, but I didn't go back and check ours, so we'll, let, we'll, push, we'll push that off to the very beginning, like every season, the very beginning of uh, season nine. I'll, sounds we'll start with sounds good. Week. Okay. Let's start to uh, look at the big picture here of Summer of George. What about Jerry and his storyline with dating Lynette and the dude and then ultimately getting a relationship intern? I don't love the intern stuff. I do like the Lyle part of it. Amanda Pete is a pretty... No, like uh, she's pretty, but she's like more of a breath of fresh air, like an interesting girlfriend for him. I'll give it an A minus. I just I, I wish they had tied the Lyle stuff in, like, you know, wrapped that up better or made it clear why they were, you know, what the issue was. Like, we never really learned. Are they trying to be mysterious? If so, I guess they did a good job. I don't know. Yeah. I'll give it a B. I want to penalize the George becoming the relationship intern, but I don't want to penalize George on the summer of George. So I'll give him a B here for Jerry. Uh, fair enough. All right. What about George? Yeah, the summer George is iconic. It has to be an A. Even Froth is funny. Uh, George is the assistant isn't the greatest thing in the world. But, you know, George being lazy and having a having a, you know, a recliner fridge. And taking naps at 1030. That's that's how I want George to be. So I'll give him an A. OK, uh, I'll give him an A as well. Okay, what about Elaine with Molly Shannon and a cat fight? Yeah, I really like that, too. I'll give that an A minus because there's not like one necessarily iconic moment. But it's it's funny. It, you know, it, it, it has like a take, which which she's crazy and, and that nobody is paying attention to Elaine. It's pretty funny. Um, it was, you know, maybe the cat fight thing was like more, you know, hot in 97. But. I think this whole episode was just like such a big deal when it aired and maybe some of this stuff has been lost a little bit to time, but I'll give that an A minus. Yeah. I feel like the cat fight joke was sort of the same thing over and over again about how guys only wanted to hear about a cat fight no matter what was happening. And I feel like we didn't really advance it too much. I did like where Raquel Welch ends up beating her up at the end. I'll give it a B. Okay. And what about Kramer as the person who is the Tony's uh, seat filler? I think it's really funny. There's, he doesn't do, have a ton of heavy lifting, but uh, I guess in the Raquel Welch, you know, scene, he gets beat up. But it's just the idea of him being on stage is hilarious. And Kramer, like being this Tony guy who's, who's into it as like a C or D storyline, it works for me. I'll give it an A. Yeah, I'll give it an A, too. The, the uh, Raquel Welch cameo pays off, too. So, all right. An A for Kramer. All right, Keeve. There's no spots left in your top nine, right? That's correct. Okay. So where does this land for Akiva? I will say that this is number 24 in your rankings. Oh, wow. You're very close. I have it at 21. Uh, you know, this is probably a lot of people's top 10 or top 15. It, there's not a ton of classic lines, but there's really nothing bad in the whole episode. It just runs right through and it's funny. And also the first time you saw it, it was like, wow. You know, may, this is an episode that maybe gets a tiny bit worse on repeat watchings compared to some other ones, but it's really good. 21. 
Summer George. Plenty of places in the top 30 still. So even though there's nothing in the top nine, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of real estate left for classic episodes. Okay. All right. So let's get into our Seinfeld mailbag. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Again, this is the final week for new listeners on the Seinfeld postshow recap. Once we get to next week, the season nine premiere, then we are closing the books once and for all on new admissions to the Seinfeld postshow recap. That's right. I mean, if someone wanted to binge the whole thing in a week, we could like open it very briefly, but then they only have like a few days to listen to all the episodes. But right. other than that, like there's no like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start with season nine. And if I like it, I'll go back to one through eight. That's not happening. So if you know somebody that might like the podcast, tell them this week, because after next week's episode, that's it. The books are closed. Yeah, that's right. All right. Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps is the email address. Uh, we'll start off with Johnny DeSilvera, who says, updated total runtime of the Post Show Recaps Seinfeld podcast before including the Summer of George is 207 hours, 19 minutes, and 33 seconds? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. And if the Summer of George was 2017, do you two think that George would try podcasting since he would never have to leave home to do it? So first of all, that's a lot of time we've spent on this podcast so far. I would I would have thought it would be more, but that that you know that that still that's uh to see that number like in print it's 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 a lot staggering. Yeah, uh, for George, try podcasting. I, maybe like the Akiva version of podcasting, where I just show up and like try and say a few dumb things and leave. But like the Rob version, where you actually like edit and produce things and and book guests, like that's not for George. Right. So, you know what I mean? George could be a good sidekick on a podcast. Right. Like if not, Jerry set not, everything up at his house, he would show up for the podcast. Totally. Oh, yeah. He'd be great. He'd be great as the number two. But I, I, I don't think he would be, you know, like uh, like Googling SEO terms and trying to get like the podcast more. Listeners. Right. And I have a feeling that we'll be revisiting this topic when we get to the Merv Griffin episode. That's true. Also. <laughs> OK. What about the, that was the first podcast if you think. About. Yeah. What about Charlie from Seattle? Oh, I believe a new uh, new mailbagger. Oh, uh, he says, I was watching the Summer George and couldn't help but think of Rob at his podcast award. First of all, he said award, but I believe you've won four, five, six, something like that, right? Something like Who's that, Keith. Who can count? Okay. More than one. More than one. So he was wondering, how many restaurants have rejected you when you tried to use your award the way Kramer uses Tony? Uh, I, I did not ever try to, you know, bring my It's such a funny award. idea, though. Yeah. Like, could you imagine? Like, this would be a good, I don't, you don't do too much of this, but like. If you were doing more like man on the street or like funny bits out, you know, to like plug the podcast or something like go to like the top 10 restaurants in L.A. and and try and get in. And when they reject you, say like pull out of your like suit pocket or something like a podcast award. I mean, you wouldn't be wearing a suit. But you're, you know, you flat <laughs> right, your pocket. Right. Like, I guess it would be a podcast award and be like. Hmm, I got this 2011. And then if you had like four of them in your pocket, because you've won a bunch. That right. If I was like hosting the podcast awards, that would be like a uh, a funny yes. bit to do in the award show. Yeah, that would be like the Kimmel thing where you go back. Yeah, I do think that's a good idea. Okay, we'll save that. We'll put that on the, on the mm -hmm. back burner. All right. Pat okay. in Ohio says, after the summer of George was over, couldn't George have gone back to the Yankees and see if they had a place for him? He could have lied and said that things didn't work out at Tyler Chicken and wants to dedicate himself fully to the Yankees. Surely it would have been a lie, but not as big as pretending to be fake handicapped like at play now. Surely Steinbrenner would have uh, given bodysuit man another shot. I mean... It's a, it's an interesting theory, but he he clearly says in the first line of this episode he got fired. So something happened where 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 Big George fired Little George, and 
They, there's no coming back to, to the Yankees. Well, let me give you a different question. Okay, so George has this uh, very uh, cloak and dagger meeting with the Mets. They offer him a position or they don't offer him a position. Wink, wink. They say, you need to get fired to have this position. Ultimately, they hire Wilhelm. Is the relationship between George and Wilhelm so toxic that Wilhelm wouldn't bring him on as part of his staff with the Mets? Well, remember, Wilhelm is like has like a traumatic brain injury, so he might not even remember George by the time he gets I there. I mean, he might. Also, they said... The Mets said we didn't tell you to do that, meaning like the Mets are absolved. If George comes and says, I, I got fired, now hire me, they're going to be like, we didn't tell you to do that, and they'll be right. You know, they, yeah, they, they didn't only tell him to do that, they but, but they, they don't have an opportunity for him. They can't build like this dream team of all of the fired Yankee executives and put yeah, them all together. That's an interesting point. He, he should go back to the Mets. I, I think that's a good point. Maybe it happens in the office. As the assistant to the traveling secretary position for the Mets? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good idea. Like Wilhelm's not bringing in his own uh, staff. I mean, he's not important enough to like bring a team with him. I don't think. Yeah, I guess he's working in scouting. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. What about Caleb from Atlanta? He, he says, "Aren't fridges uh, recliners with fridges the best idea ever? Would either of you buy one?" I already said, "Yeah, I would buy two if if uh, if I found a good one." I know, but Keith, the I problem would for saying, me is the ch- yeah, yeah I, the electricity uh, on it is like I feel like that it would cost a lot more money than it would be worth for the convenience. With all these things, with little kids, especially little boys who are monsters, as you know, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to learn, like. They would just break it in two minutes. Like the fridge would be broken. And then like the chair is probably a worse chair than I have now. So now I'd have like a below average recliner with a broken fridge. Right. So I, don't, I don't know how that's going to work. Right. Any electronic thing I have, my kids ultimately break. Okay. Uh, Lindsay says, I can't believe season eight is over. I feel like you just started it. I'm already feeling a little sad that the end is so close. In the meantime, here are some questions for this week. The obvious question is, if you had three months off, what would you do? If it's easier, you can assume in this scenario that you don't have to look after kids. And what's the best vacation you've ever been on? I think, first of all, I think the the best thing to do would be like not to tell your wife that you were on vacation because then it would be like, all right, you could pick up the kids every day and... You know, I mean, she's saying you'd assume not to, but like Keith, being realistic. Wow. This, like, wait, hold on. This is yeah. like, uh, I have to sit down for this. So what you're saying is that I could go, like go on vacation for a week, but not say anything to my wife. Like basically I say like. No, because she's saying vacation like a break from work where you're saying vacation like going to Cancun. No, I'm saying, hey, everybody, no podcast this week. I'm taking a break. That is just, well, you'd have to say DTN. Don't tell Nicole. Or, yeah, I, 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 here, I'm going to put some shows in the can, but I'm not doing any mm-hmm. new podcasts this Ooh, week. That's good, yeah. Uh, but then I'm not going to say anything to Nicole. I mean, the problem is you don't have the ideal job for it. You have, like, a forward public-facing job. Like, I could get away with this. Like, you know, take a few days off, not hmm. say anything. The problem is I'd have to, like, stay in my room. You know, I'd have to, like, stay in my office. I couldn't. Like, where am I going? Like, my wife, she would be suspicious if I ever left the house more than once. Yes. It never happens. Yes. So I've, I've really built, you know, painted myself into a corner here. Yeah. But I think for other people, this is definitely doable. Okay. I think that we're so not something. My dream is like, my dream is to do what George did, just to like sit home and watch TV and take a nap at 1030 a.m. every morning. Like, <laughs> George is basically it's the ex- exact same thing. Okay. And the best vacation, Keith? Uh I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't. I was thinking like um, when I was when I, you know, it was just Passover, and I was home with like a million family members. Not even my family, my wife's family. 
I was thinking when I was a kid, we used to go to like Aruba or the Bahamas for Passover every year. And that's also great because you don't have to like do any work. Like they take care of, you know, they serve you and everything. And I was thinking like that was so much better. And also I remember like I was such a nerd, like I would be watching the NFL draft when I was like eight. I was obsessed with the NFL draft mm-hmm. and I would like have to like, you know, like it was hard to find like a TV with like ESPN2 or whatever, whatever like had the drafts in like the early 90s. But I was like it was me and like one 70 year old man at the bar watching the draft. So I'd say one of those probably. I don't know. I would give kids like there's, you know, you take on the vacation. It's fun. But it's a much different piece. Yeah, I went to Baja, Mexico with Nicole for like a long weekend. That's probably the best. Like it wasn't long enough for her to get really mad at anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have any kids. It was a good, uh, like perfect amount of time to be away. Yeah. You know, that- you know that vacations definitely hit the, like reach diminishing returns after a week. I think. Okay. All right. So um, Mike C wants to know, Keeve, is Neil Flynn's cop, the janitor from Scrubs only a few years earlier. They seem like the same unhelpful character. I'm not a Scrubs guy. Yeah. So Neil Flynn played a janitor who was in every episode, but never had a name. He was just the janitor. Uh, and he like was it was a loudmouth who didn't didn't help anybody. So I don't think it's the same canon. But it is a funny idea. We got more Mike Flynn questions coming soon. Well, Mike Flynn questions. Not Mike Flynn. Sorry. You Flynn. That <laughs> I was going to say, a, I don't think we're qualified to answer any Mike no, Flynn no, questions. No. I, that was a, that was a, uh, what about uh, Matt Flynn, the backup quarterback for the back, <laughs> who was getting cut and then resigned? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about Matt in Massachusetts? Mrs. Flynn, my eighth grade English teacher. Yes. How do you think she's doing now? Uh, Matt in Massachusetts. Sustained trauma in the legs from slipping on a thin envelope? I'm sorry, but that has to be the, one of the most unrealistic things in the entire show. Was George not keeping active the day while, you know, the other day while playing froth? Why didn't he suffer an injury then? Yeah, I think, Matt, it's, it's not that unrealistic. Again, we yeah, if you fall down the stairs, week. like, what does it matter what you slipped yeah. on? Yeah. You ever watch The Staircase? That's what the, the guy died. You know, the woman died falling down the stairs, allegedly. Yeah. Um, I was watching the uh, horrible Mets game from Wednesday night, and uh, there was Mm. a foul ball. Speaking of sustained trauma. Yeah, yeah. there was a foul ball that was hit, and uh, they ended up uh, catching it. Like, the Phillies caught it, like, in the uh, right right field, um, like, foul territory. And... Gary Cohen was talking about the the ball boy. Good thing that he moved the uh, little bench out of the way. Otherwise, it could have been a million dollar baby situation. I was like, boy, that's really dark. Mm. Yeah, the same million dollar baby. Also, also, no one remembers that. <laughs> but, but I mean, really, that was a very very dark was moment. You like just watching that movie on Netflix yesterday. That's like no, a, but that is. I dark. think that, that sort of dark. sticks with you. No. Yeah. What does Pat in NYC want? Okay. Uh, Pat says, I love this episode. It's one of my favorites of the entire series. One thing I wondered is why isn't Raquel Welch in the scene when they win the Tony for Scarsdale Surprise? Yeah. Maybe is this like the writing uh, best? Is there some sort of like... Best- well, I think it's like best best musical, River. I know at the Oscars, the actors don't necessarily come up. Well, maybe they do, but like they don't win the awards, right? It's just the three main producers. Uh, but again, I think it's really like Raquel Welch. They probably only had her for a day and they could only film two or three scenes with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll buy it. All right. What about Amir? All right. So Amir, speaking of Neil Flynn, not Matt Flynn or Mike Flynn or the, the, the Flynn kid who's always on Twitter. Doug Flynn. Um, uh, who's Doug Flynn? Uh, and, and again, Mrs. Flynn. I don't remember her first name. Ken, I've always, I've never had success like Googling my old teachers, but I hope they're, uh, you know. Yeah, he's okay he's a former um, Matt Akiva. Doug Flynn? Yes. Oh, Doug. Okay, fine, fine, fine. fine. What about Jeff Innes? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. 
So Amir uh, says that uh, Neil Flynn appears for a, sh- for a short scene in this episode, and he was he was interested uh, in Flynn being a cop because Scrubs has a whole plot line that revolves around Neil Flynn having played a cop in the movie The Fugitive. Mm-hmm. I know it's like it's a little bit of meta, right? But in the show Scrubs, they thought that he was in The Fugitive because he was, and I guess they you know they they sort of crossed the real life of The Fugitive with the fake life of Scrubs. So Amir went to his IMDb page, and apparently, Neil Flynn plays a cop in 14 different shows or movies. CBS Summer Playoffs, Sable, Doogie Howser, The Fugitive, Baby's Day Out, To Sir With Love 2, Chain Reaction, Seinfeld Early Edition, which I love, Home Alone 3. My, my daughter was just watching Home Alone 4, and I was, like, mocking her. Like, it's, it's, like, straight to, not even straight to DVD. They didn't even bother, like, printing on DVDs. She's sitting there watching it. Sliders, then came you, CSI, and Brain Warp. So he's been a cop 14 times. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, it is uh, <laughs> amazing. He must have like, uh, you know, the real cop face. I guess. Uh, Amir also says, well, certainly funny. He always felt the ending with George is very out of sync from what Seinfeld's all about. The whole point is that these people never get what's coming to them for the awful things they do and the way they treat other people. This perfect karmic measure for, you know, measure for measure punishment that George receives feels very out of line with the series. If Amir feels this way about the season eight finale, he's going to hate the season nine finale. Right. No spoilers. Right. It does feel as though, uh, well, you know, this is a good point to sort of like open this conversation. Is, is it keeping with the show to keep them from never having consequences or is for the narrative's sake, do you need to sort of bring those consequences back to them? And I do feel like that they got a lot of backlash at the end of season seven. And I think that they gave into that backlash a lot here in season eight between George having yeah. to go work at the foundation. And then also uh, with this uh, part at the end where George loses the ability to walk. Does that happen if Larry David stays on in season eight? Yeah, maybe the whole thing doesn't happen. Although, again, it probably does because Larry ends up writing the finale and he sort of has the same karmic measure for measure, uh, you know, punishment that Amir is discussing. But to me, I feel like, is that a Jerry idea that Larry and Jerry work together on? I I feel like that that theme comes more from Jerry. Um... And it'll be interesting as we yeah, get into a, Curb this season. I mean, does like does Larry David feel like Curb needs to end with some sort of like Larry David being punished for all of the rotten things that he's done in Curb right. Enthusiasm? It's an interesting question. I mean, I guess we'll discuss this more at the season nine finale, but the, you know, the series finale. But, uh, you know, it, it, and also I am curious, like, whose idea this was now. And again, obviously, Larry is no part of this one in season and uh, how much. Maybe we'll probably read about it, but like how much uh, authority like LD has versus Jerry versus the writers on the series finale. Okay. All right. I'm not sure. And then, Keeve, the final email of season eight belongs to the great Chester, who says, Great. By the way, I got a, I got a, a G chat uh, two nights ago from Chester, and I said, What do you want to do for the podcast this week? He says, I don't want to do the podcast anymore. And then I said, And like, I kept getting like weird things, and then he started making fun of me. But it was like not like Chester's nerdy, like 45 line writing. It was like very short and curt. And then I realized I was being like, it was like 1997 AIM. I was being chatted by Alex Chester. Yeah, it was his wife. It was Dr. Chester. Oh, Dr. Chester. She got you. 
She got me. It's a good thing we didn't like. He didn't. She didn't start like. She could have really gotten stuff out of me. Yeah, being like, and uh, then, you know, or been like, what do you think? You know, like, oh, Jen's being such a whatever. Right. Like, like what hey, I'm about? working on my spreadsheet of like the uh, yeah. ten hottest women that I'd be most likely to have an affair with. So, right. who do you right. think like, I should put as number friends, one? Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. So she didn't do that. Um, I just assumed he was drunk because he was like. But uh, then I told my wife that that like that's what I mean because my daughter came in and I left the room. And then my daughter started talking to his wife. Um, and then I told my wife like that what Chester pulled on me and that like he said, we're going to cancel the podcast. And I'm like, all right, whatever, if you want to. Uh, and then she said, what's Rob's email? She was going to email Yo. you as me cancel the podcast. And I said, like, you know, I was like, you want me to cancel the podcast? And she's like, yes, I do. So I, she's, you know, if you get a stray email from me, okay, then just know, like, it's probably from her. Yes, good. She was very serious about doing this. Like, she actually thinks it's a good idea. Good. Well, well, now we have two-step verification now on any future correspondence. What's the if? You, yeah. So what is it though? Like what? What's our what's our secret password? Um. So I think it should be uh, IMD. And I can't say, she hears. She hears. I get out of here. She hears everything. She literally just walked. Either out. that or so. Insta. <laughs> Okay, perfect. She didn't hear that okay. because I have headphones. Okay. All right. That's our password. All right, Keeve. Uh, so Chester says, uh, why does the guy whose seat Kramer takes get up right before the award for which he's nominated? And does that guy disappear in a wormhole in the bathroom? He's never heard from again. Doesn't he want his Tony? I mean, maybe they just like had an extra one for him. Yeah. I would say when you got to go, you got to go. And uh, I think he was only gone for like three minutes. Yeah. And maybe, they, maybe he didn't know his award was next. It's possible like, you know. I mean, it's, if it's the biggest award of the night, they should have been like the last one or two awards, like best musical or best play. Yeah. Like, I'm sure the final two awards. And so. he also may have just been sitting next to the guy. Right. He might not have been the guy. Right. He might not have been the guy getting the Because the woman doesn't go up with them. Right. It could be in a producer's not even there. Right. That, that he gets the award from. Right. Okay. And then finally, Chester wants to know, what kind of building does George live in? I've never seen an apartment building in Manhattan with a carpeted open staircase. Manhattan buildings have stairwells behind fire doors. I mean, Chester always has these sweeping ideas as if all zillion buildings in Manhattan, none of them have carpeted staircase. Right. In terms of the actual stairwell that's like that, I mean, I stayed at an Airbnb uh, in Manhattan earlier this year, and they had a, a stairwell that was like this, and it wasn't behind fire doors or anything like that. Yeah, it's it, it, Chester has just been on four buildings on the Upper West Side with 50 doormen each. And that's the only thing he knows about. The yeah, city. carpet would not be ideal a on a staircase because uh, of all the traffic. You know, you want something that you can clean, but yeah, it's possible. I think in the history yeah, of Manhattan, I, mean, I think there's probably been a stairwell yeah. with carpet. Yeah, this take is too cold by Chester and too wrong. Whatever happened to the hot takeoff? Oh, we're still doing it. We're still doing it. We just yeah, we're just not up to it yet. Well, so it was it was hard. Do you want to be the do you want to be the judge of the hot takeoff? Yeah, I'll do it. It, was, it really would come all down right. to the timing of when you were doing it. Yeah, we'll work it out with you. We, 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 a couple weeks from now, we got to do the NFL draft stuff. First. Yeah, and we still have to watch a Star Trek episode. Oh, why don't you, why don't you assign that to me this week? Because uh, you know people are going to okay. Gonna Everybody, get, get you uh, on the season nine premiere. I will assign Akiva his assignment of uh, which Seinfeld episode or which Star Trek: Next Generation episode, uh, and then we will have a quiz at the end of one of these. So we'll we'll find a week where we have maybe a short uh, where we predict it could be a shorter episode of the podcast. Okay, perfect. Okay. All right. So uh, get your suggestions in. What's the hashtag here, Keeve? Oh, I think there's no question, right? What? Insta? 
No, IMD bags. IMD bags. I just wonder. I hope nobody's going to steal it. Okay. Oh, so you want to like keep? Well, I mean, we already said it. It's already out yeah. there in the universe. Let's see. Does anybody already have that? Um, hmm. So, and if someone has that, like, we'll fight them for it. Yes. Okay. Let's see. Does uh, is there an account uh, for it? Let's see. Is somebody already that on? No, I don't think anybody's that already that on Twitter. We should gobble it up. There's imdbag.com on Facebook. What is this? Mm, I don't know. 24. It only has 32 likes. Okay. They haven't done anything in four years. I think we could get this. Okay. Great. Sounds good. So be on the lookout for that coming fall of 2017. Be excited for that. Uh, yeah, get, get, yeah, get hyped about get hyped. that. Stay hyped about that. All right. That. Uh, follow Akiv on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. Uh, what are you talking about on 32 fans? Uh, 32 fans, um, I don't remember. I'm not, I don't know what we're talking about yet this week. Uh, maybe uh, maybe the NFL schedule is coming out. Maybe we'll do like top 10 games or something. I don't know. Chester is he's anti-talking about the schedule, so I'm going to have to twist his arm. Okay. All right. And then we've got a lot of other stuff coming up. Season 9 is right around the corner. So what? tell us about the Season 9 premiere, Keeve. Yeah, next week we're talking the butter shave. Kramer starts shaving with butter. George gets a new job. Uh, Banya keeps following Jerry around. Well, she keeps following Jerry on stage, I guess. And Elaine and Putty get back together and break up again and back, get back together. It's a fun. Boom. All right. I'm psyched for the return of Putty. Yes. Putty, Putty is really like, that's how you know the, the end is nigh. Okay. So we have all that coming up in season nine. A big thanks to Scott St. Pierre for all this hard work editing uh, this. Uh, not, not quite a supersized episode, but definitely a healthy episode of the Seinfeld uh, post-show recap. Yeah, longer than we've had in a while. Unless sure. most of the nonsense got cut out. Oh, yeah. This could be like, people would be like, why are they saying it's long? It's actually the shortest episode ever. So that's, uh, <laughs> thank you so much to Scott. And thank you so much to Mike Moore. Keith, anything else? I think that's it. Thanks for everyone's patronage of the first eight seasons. And stay tuned for uh, season nine. You know, it should be a good one. And uh, and uh, some star ratings going into season nine uh, wouldn't wouldn't kill us either. Okay? Yeah, hit, hit let's hit 200, uh, 200 ratings on on. Uh, iTunes. It's not, we're not far. Postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.